This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. The sky is falling, but the band is back together. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show, but it is Wednesday. That means we have Merrick Brave joining us fresh off a trip to Disney World, where we're going to jump into all the news. We're going to talk about the big question. Is Miami's offense broken? But before we get into everything, I got to welcome into my greatest co-host and my greatest guest co-host. So Merrick, let's start with you, Mr. Disney. Let's get you involved. It's been a little while. I miss your voice. Yeah, I'm excited to be back with you guys. Uh, Not as excited to be back in Iowa, uh, (laughs) leaving Orlando, Florida, where it was mid 80s every single day. Sun was shining down on my on my skin. And now I'm back in Iowa where it's 30s and and drab and dreary and raining and soon to be snowing. And uh, it is what it is. It's a Midwest winter. But you guys are the sun in my sky and you have brightened my day and I'm happy to be here with you too. You basically just summed up this entire season, right? I mean, you were talking about how it was all sunny and bright and weather was beating down on you and then uh, it all kind of turned gloom. But um, I'm so glad that we're all back together and I'm glad that we get to come on here and talk about the Miami Dolphins, even if it is after, you know, a disappointing loss to Justin Herbert. But at least you at least you missed that, right? Uh, Merrick, at least you weren't one of those guys that was F Justin Herbert and now, you know, you got egg on your face. I think I think I coined it, right? Wasn't I the one? Yeah, you yeah, you were. Yeah. F Justin Herbert week. My bad. I think I might have jinxed this on that one, guys. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't miss it at all. I watched it. I watched every single painstaking second of that miserable, miserable game, which somehow still only ended in a Miami Dolphins six point loss. I don't I don't even get it. I'm not even sure how that works out. But uh, you know, we're on to Buffalo, right? That game really felt like you're just kind of falling off a cliff in slow motion, just with the amount of times. Like, it was weird because the Dolphins threw the ball a, a boatload, but it still seemed like that game progressed really fast where you couldn't just like settle in and figure out what they wanted to do. Uh, but gentlemen, we're, we're talking about the weather. So I, I just I just want you guys, I want to ask you guys, did you hear that um, in Buffalo where it's, it's very cold and uh, you're dealing with some lakes up there? Um there's going to be some snow in Buffalo. Is that is that some breaking news we should talk about? Is this really a surprise to anyone? Not a surprise, but what's surprising to me is why anyone would choose to live in Buffalo, New York. Like, <laughs> why would you want to live there? It's the snowiest place in America. Like, and there's not even like mountains, I don't think. So you don't even get to enjoy it by by skiing or snowboarding. You just have to like 
shovel eight feet of snow out of your driveway like three times a week and, and move on with your life? Like, that sounds awful. Why yeah. did they have a football team? Yeah, that, that sounded really awful. I mean, I think it, I, I don't know how they do it, right? I mean, I've been to the Ralph Wilson State or Orchard Park. What does what it really call it now? What does that stadium even call now? I just remember going to Hell. a few games. And it, yeah, and it just smelled like urine. The people there kind of sucked. Um, but yeah, breaking news, it's going to snow. I think the thing that kind of threw me off guard was, um, you know, Tua's talking about how he was in like an ice tub out in L.A. And, you know, you hear Mike McDaniel talking about how it's mind over matter and different things like that. So I'm anxious to see the way the Dolphins are going to approach this game. Robert Hunt wearing, a, I hope it gets colder outside or something like that t-shirt i mean um the dolphins are fully embracing it but as i said uh, a few times on twitter if javon holland's the snowman let's have him roll up to the stadium looking like frosty corncob pipe the hat and that brush and that broom because we know we're about to sweep those buffalo bills why did you, did you where'd you steal that? that from that was amazing I'm no, not I, I, I've, I've said it i've said it twice now so i just um that's something i thought was really uh cute and i might even do a photo maybe that's the photoshop it's gonna be Could frosty be and, the, and the other guys behind can be the rest of the defense or oh damn i got my work wow. wait no we're doing the queasy i got my work cut out for me no here. queasy meters that they lose we'll do the snowman because that is absolutely incredible um it's it's just so silly to me i mean i live in massachusetts not too far away i think buffalo is about a four-hour drive and i'll say the one thing is i'm not near any huge body of water and i have a butt ton of mountains surrounding me so it kind of blocks out a lot of the the heavy you know storms that we do get um don't go all meteorologists with me i i really took a shortcut with that who's uh, the fake weatherman i thought it was you when you were talking about <laughs> snow one of us has to be the fake oh. ass weatherman right so when I was in college, I actually took a class about weather and it was the crazy, the guy teaching was obviously the crazy, like he, his car has 17 antennas on it because he has to talk across four different radio stations. So the government's not watching him, but basically my whole thing was, yeah, so you, this is how you predict the weather. I understand this. I understand the science, but why are we all so confident when we see the variance that is involved with weather? And he's like, what, you don't trust science? I'm like, no. I'm like, the fact is that already these uh, meteorologists in Buffalo, the beginning of the week, you saw them getting the retweets about the Nor'easter that was coming. And now it's like, eh, maybe, and maybe we'll get a little bit of snow. So to me, it's just really silly. There's there's a lot of uh, drama involved with something about talking about the weather. And here, here we are. We're talking about something that I think is completely meaningless and a waste of time. So it, it just kind of goes full circle. One thing that isn't meaningless is the fact that Tua has not shown that he can play in cold weather games as of yet. Uh, he had that big, uh, the Dolphins had that big game in Nashville last year against the Titans. Uh, basically win and you're in or win and you continue to be eligible to be in after starting one and seven like they did. And uh, it wasn't snowing, but it was cold. It was windy and there was some rain, some freezing rain. And Tua played terribly. One of his best or worst games of his career uh, and the Dolphins were knocked out of playoff contention that day. So I'd like to agree with you and say that it's meaningless, but I think this is a, a meaningful game, you know, besides the obvious, whereas if, if they win this game, they they set themselves up better to make the playoffs. And there's other opportunities beyond this Saturday to do so. They didn't start one and seven, thankfully. So, you know, they're stumbling right now, but they're not stumbling so badly, knock on wood, yet that uh, that they're finding themselves out of the playoff race. But beyond all of that, I want to uh, to show the world and to show us as Dolphins fans mainly in particular that he can play in the elements. This is the AFC East. And, and, and for some reason, the Miami Dolphins from Southern Florida are in the AFC East along with the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets who play in New Jersey, and the New England Patriots. So 
those are cold weather teams. You're going to have to continue to play in cold weather for the remainder of your career if you remain the Miami Dolphins quarterback. So I would love if Tua could come out on Saturday night, show the world that the narrative that he cannot play in the elements is false, and and I'd like him to have a nice bounce-back game. I think we all would. I think we, we're all in agreement that that would be a real nice way to spend a Saturday night. It, it would be the perfect Christmas present, right? I mean, it's kind of what we all want wrapped under that tree is a, somehow to pull out this win after the way they've looked. I mean, you're completely right, though. Heading into the year, you know, there were so many different factors and things you want to see Tua Tungvaloa do. I mean, playing in the elements, you know, that was one of those boxes we wanted to check off. Um, Jeff Kerr of CBS actually tweeted out the coldest games in Tua Tungvaloa's career, and the coldest one was in 2021 when it was 35 degrees in Buffalo, and he threw for a 58.2 uh, passer rating. The Dolphins lost all four of those games by combined 83 points so uh we know Tua Tungvaloa has not played well in those you know quote-unquote elements but um he did say he took a trip up north to hang out with his brother through a little bit in the snow again the ice tub thing he even said he saw snow at Alabama so um I, I don't know what it means I think a lot of this you know they got to go into this with the right mindset but really they got to go out there and attack this thing completely different than the way they did last week Tua talked about a little bit today getting in a rhythm for the offensive line his receivers the backs you know not taking so many deep shots downfield I mean we're talking about what we want to see him do different it's kind of you know going out there and kind of doing the polar opposite of what we saw last week so um again wish we weren't in this situation that we're in but after those two losses out west if we can somehow reel this thing all back together against the buffalo bills sweep them like i mentioned i mean i think we'd all be right back on our high horse talking all that shit on twitter and i guess that's just part of being a fan yeah yeah two things one merrick thank you uh my, my i guess what i was trying to say is the conversation about Tra uh, tracing or tracking the weather all week is a little ridiculous with how much it changes. Um, Yeah, no, I completely agree. Tua playing in the cold, the Dolphins playing in the cold. I mean, that Jay game in 2016 is the only one I really remember that seeing this team have fun in the snow, and I, we really haven't seen too, too much out of them since. Uh, guys, before we get talking about the defense, uh, excuse me, talking about the offense uh, in the full scope a little bit. I do want to bring up this note here. Uh, Jalen Phillips, in fact, recorded the fastest sack of week 14. And no, it wasn't one he was called a penalty on. I thought that was pretty cool because, Josh, we spoke about this a lot on Monday, just the growth of Jalen Phillips. I saw a stat, Bradley Chubb, since he joined the team. The, the team is... Uh, doubling its sack total. I think they're up from 1.8 to about 3.6, something along those lines. Uh, but gentlemen, something came out here, and it's just another one of those things where I kind of roll my eyes. But Troy Vincent said Jalen Phillips' roughing call, where he just tackled Justin Herbert like a normal tackle that they called a penalty. They said it shouldn't have been a penalty. I know that's massive breaking news. And they're possibly going to look at making changes that would allow those calls to be reviewable in the offseason. Guys, we already see it with reviews that they're, there's – they even say in the booth or express views where they already have someone looking and they call it before the refs even get together. What would your thoughts be about this? Because it is a little ridiculous. I won't say that game that play changed the game whatsoever, but it, it's frustrating, especially when you get 10 sacks a season that one of them can be taken away just with a little bit of nonsense. Yeah. And, and I think I will go as far to say that, that, that penalty did change maybe not the totality of the course of that game, but, but at least that part of the game, because sure. that was going to be a three and out by the chargers offense. They were going to be backed up. Dolphins were going to get good field position. Uh, you know, who knows what they would have been able to do from there. Even if they just kick a field goal uh, after getting the ball back in good field position, they would have been in a position to go down and win the game late instead of having to kick a field goal then to get it to a one score game. So instead of, kicking the field goal on the fourth down, they would have went for it. And who knows, maybe they 
find a way to move the ball. And who knows, maybe they get in the end zone and they win a game they probably didn't deserve to win. Uh, But that didn't happen because of that penalty. And to your point, Jake, I do think that those penalties need to be reviewable. Uh, Everyone with two eyes, a working set of eyes, even if you only got one eye and you, you, you were squinting out of that one, you knew that that wasn't a penalty. Everybody knew that wasn't a penalty. When I saw that flag get thrown, I literally jumped out of my recliner in my living room and started screaming at my television set. Like that is the most egregious, ridiculous call in that moment that could have been made. And it's great that we get the consolation of Troy Vincent coming out and saying that shouldn't have been a penalty. That's awesome on a Wednesday afternoon. Where was it last Sunday night when we needed it? Come on, man. Like, cool. We don't get points for that. We don't get a, a, a another notch in the win column. It is what it is. But yes, this offseason, they need to look into that. And I do think penalties like that and targeting penalties and roughing the pass, these penalties should be reviewable. Not every penalty, but you know, the big ones with that give automatic first downs and 15, 15 yards or more. Yeah. Like that stuff needs to be reviewable. And like you said, Jake, they have the ability to expedite the process. They have the ability to have somebody watching it in real time, have access to every single replay from every single angle and can just radio down to the referees on the field and tell them what the right call was. We don't have to stop a game for five, six, seven minutes to get the call right. They can do this in a matter of seconds. So if you can do that, then why don't you do that? And I think they will do that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in agreement with both of you. I mean, I guess the thing I would ask is you have these guys that are watching the game. I mean, we all could sit there and see blatantly, you know, that was clearly a sack. I, I don't know what they were doing there. I mean, plays like that that do extend the drive, you know, can be game changing at the end of it. You should absolutely be able to review. But you mentioned having someone out there, you know, extra pair of eyes. We all saw that Monday night game, right? I mean, Devontae Parker, I mean, he would look like he was had his head spinning, and they let they almost played the game. I mean, so I, I don't know what they need to do differently, but there's clearly an error in the way they're approaching these things. But I absolutely uh, think that play, you know, in hindsight may have changed the game a little bit. And moving forward, they absolutely, whether it's a pass interference, a whole different things like that, that, again, completely change the game. And then you have someone come out on Wednesday, like Merrick said, and just, you know, okay, yeah, that was the mistake. We missed it. They're going to go back out there again this weekend and probably do the same thing but uh to back to your point jake 2.58 seconds was uh that sack he was completely untouched jalen phillips so it wasn't maybe as impressive as it sounded but i mean that dude's got speed and i said it before jake i think and to both of you i think when they traded for bradley chubb i mean i still believe jalen phillips was the better pass rusher the better uh, edge rusher on this roster and i see people now on twitter also running with that so love that we have both those guys love the way this defense is attacking the quarterback just hope that you know moving forward um we can dictate the game a little bit better And I think those guys complement each other, right? When you trade for Bradley Chubb, you don't expect him to be the only guy on your team uh, that's going to be able to get to the quarterback. But you trade for him, you add another monster on that line that opens things up for Jalen Phillips to to get those single blocks. uh, Or like you said, Josh, go completely untouched the quarterback because everybody else was worried about Bradley Chubb or Melvin Ingram or, you know, Christian Wilkins was having himself a monster game. And then you even have a, a guy rotating in like Andrew Van Ginkle. Which brings me to this point. It's not even on the the rundown, so you know we don't have Uh-oh. to dive into it too much. But like Josh Boyer continues, and I'm not a hater. I'm not hating on Josh Boyer. I'm not like one of those dudes on Twitter that's like fire Josh Boyer, get him out of here, whatever. Josh Boyer needs to understand that he has some damn good pass rushers on this team, and he doesn't need to blitz defensive backs on fifty percent of snaps or whatever the number is. Right? 
that was the whole point in trading for Bradley Chubb is you're able to get to the quarterback rushing four. And through the first two games, when Bradley Chubb joined the Dolphins, the Dolphins had the highest pressure rate on opposing quarterbacks just rush, rushing the base four defense, not sending an extra man, not sending a blitz. Why not go back to that model, especially when your secondary is so banged up? Obviously, Byron Jones hasn't been around. He won't be around. We finally got confirmation on that this week, it seems like. Brandon Jones is missing. Nick Needham's missing. Trail Williams is missing. I mean, we do this every single week. If your secondary is so depleted and so hampered, why not send your base four? Why not rush Phillips on one side, Chubb on the other side, Sealer and Wilkins in the middle, and let your linebackers and your defensive backs stay in coverage and do what they do? Like, I, I don't get it. It's above my pay grade, you know? Do you guys have an answer to that? Does Josh Boyer have an answer for that? That's really the important question. Here's my way too woke response and cut me off whenever I've gone too far, which probably already happened. The NFL season, you got 17 games and that thing, it goes very quickly. But yeah, I mean, every game is so meaningful and means so much. I got to ask you guys, and we're going to talk about this more at the offense, but is there any universe, any universe in the entire Galaxy, I don't even know if I'm doing that right. But you play a certain way and you create this film, right? And then oppose opponents use that film to figure out their game plan. We mentioned that they were rushing for a lot of the time, right? They have a lot of film out there where they rushed for successfully. Is there any chance where you can look at Tua throwing 90% of his balls to the right side of the field? Or we can talk about Miami blitzing a, a boatload. Is there any way these last couple of games and even maybe a couple of games before that, this is a team that was kind of holding back's the wrong word. You want to win every game. But what I'm trying to get at is your playbook and your skills aren't as uh, detailed as some of the games you need to win late in the season. Is there any chance that's it where you're maybe not going too deep in the playbook knowing that, Hey, we've gotten this far. Let's see how much more we can squeeze out of this orange before advancing to hey, our more detailed. Hey, we're actually going to play run plays that can beat man defense, right? Simple things. Like it's not like world changing things. Like you just said, it's a, they're blitzing an extra guy and getting killed for it. Is there any chance what I'm saying has any type of merit, Eric? Yeah, I do think, we it's a super woke conversation. Like but, I hate using so, those words, but right. But I think, I mean, that's Josh Boyer. That's just what he's always done. He's always sent the extra guys. He always, he's a blitz happy defensive coordinator and he loves blitzing the defensive backs. I just think it's a situation where this tiger can't change his stripes, you know? And even if you look back at the San Francisco game, they were blitzing nonstop against Brock mm -hmm. Purdy, which honestly, that was the game to do it. Cause he's a seventh round draft pick, actually literally the last draft pick in the NFL draft uh, comes from Iowa state. I will mention that. So I don't hey. think, I don't think he's an Iowa boy, but he played here for a while. So all my friends are literally texting me like, Hey, our Iowa state dudes killing your team. And I'm like, I will murder you in real life. Stop <laughs> messaging me. But uh, anyway, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you trade for Bradley Chubb, that to me at the time, and I said it on this pod that signified a changing of the guard on their defensive philosophy or at least I thought it did, but apparently mm -hmm. it hasn't because Josh Boyer still is sending those blitzes and sending those defensive backs on those blitzes. And we got undrafted rookie free agents. We got career long special teamers and we got Xavier Howard who doesn't have a single healthy working groin out here in our secondary, trying to cover these guys 
you know, that are running free basically. And when you have a good quarterback like Justin Herbert is, whether he's a good real life quarterback or just a good uh, social media quarterback, as they were saying on, on uh, Twitter and television, making us look like fools come Sunday night, uh, you know, against a good quarterback, they're going to pick you apart. They're just going to do that. And when you send the blitz all to one side and Keenan Allen just kind of drops behind that blitz, you're literally telling Justin Herbert where to throw the ball. They, they tell the quarterbacks that throw the ball into the face of the blitz. Cause that's where the open guy's going to be. Keenan Allen catches the ball, runs for eight yards. Boom. Now it's a second and two. And, and this defense can't stop anybody on third down. We know that. So again, I'm not a fire Justin or Josh Boyer guy. I don't hate Josh Boyer. I think he's doing the best job or close to the best job that he could do given the circumstances this year and the amount of injuries in this defensive backfield. But I do hope somebody's in his ear reminding him, hey, we traded for Bradley Chubb. We have Jalen Phillips. We have Melvin Ingram. We have Andrew Van Ginkle. We have Christian Wilkins and Zach Thieler. And the list goes on and on. You don't need to blitz as much as you think you do, buddy. Like, let's let these guys get to the quarterback like they've been doing all of their careers. And let's bring the pressure with a base four. Let our defensive backs do their thing and and see how it plays out. That's that's my only wish. Yeah, I, I admittedly didn't hear all that. The kids were uh, being kids, but I heard bits and pieces. And I do think, you know, they got to eventually switch things up, right? I mean, you, you see it on tape. You even heard Mike McDaniel today talking about, you know, the Chargers really didn't do anything. It's all stuff we saw on tape. Well, then why aren't you adjusting to that? Back to the Bradley Chubb thing, though. I mean, I was a guy who, to this day, you know, I keep saying, oh, I would have traded for Roquan Smith, but you bring up a great point. I mean, with Jalen Phillips on one side, Bradley Chubb on the other, I mean, is that why we're seeing Christian Wilkins going, you know, demigod? Is that why Zach Sealer's having the season he's having? I mean, all those pieces definitely fit together and definitely complement one another. But again, I mean, I think they almost went back and maybe looked at the last time they played when Herbert was a rookie and they were blitzing the shit out of him. And he said, you know what, I'm going to try to continue to do that. And Herbert just had an answer for it, like you mentioned, every single time, knew exactly where was going with football and got that ball out quickly so um I, you definitely need to see something right yeah you're going against josh allen this week i mean god i, I that saying that out loud I, that's scary let's take a little break gentlemen on the other side we'll jump into a miami dolphins team that is looking to sweep buffalo for the first time since when merrick since when i don't know 2016 stay tuned i was, I was gonna say that jay right yeah This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Gentlemen, there is this 
theme going around it. And you know how Twitter loves its themes a couple years ago about how the league solved Patrick Mahomes. If you play two safeties deep, you have just destroyed the potential of Pat Mahomes having a good career. And this week, the dialogue's been around the same. It's, oh, all you got to do, you want to you want to beat Tua? All you got to do is you just got to play uh, press coverage at the line. You just push Tyreek Hill a little bit. You push Jalen Waddle a little bit. And that offense just, poop completely disappears. To me, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. So I'm going to open the floor. Uh, Joshua, I want to start with you, our film guru here. Man coverage. The surefire way to silence Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and the Miami Dolphins offense? Yes or no? I mean, that sounds crazy to me, doesn't it? I mean, letting a court. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of the way we saw it last week. I mean, they were shading inside, taking away that middle of the field and just daring the Dolphins to take those shots deep, you know, throw some balls to the outside, which, I mean, we keep hearing how Tua Tavaloa, people are saying, you know, he can't make that out, you know, those outbreaking routes and things like that. We've seen him do it, right? I mean, we've seen him make some of those throws that people are saying he can't do. So, um, saying that out, hearing that out loud, Jake, is just absolutely crazy to me that, you know, that would be the way to counter that. To me, I think you got to find, utilize, creative ways to get them the football, right? I mean, we never see a jet sweep or anything to Tyreek Hill, you know, get Jalen Waddle the football, run some screens, run some drags, you know, I, I don't know what they need to do, but that sounds crazy to me to think that, you know, you can have those cornerbacks on an Island with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and expect to have success. But uh, I mean, we kind of saw it these last few weeks, right? You know, it's, I would, I would be interested to see if Mike McDaniel kind of borrows from his, playbook from earlier in the year when they were sending these wide receivers in motion a little bit more, even lining uh, a Tyreek Hill up in the backfield, you know, maybe you hand the ball off to him. Maybe you hand the ball off to anybody. I don't know. Is that That's the Debo package, for? Debo exactly. package. Exactly. And Tyreek Hill talked about that when the Dolphins traded for him, he said, McDaniel wants to use me like San Francisco uses Debo. Well, we haven't really seen that as of late, and I'd love for the Dolphins to get a little bit more creative, be a little bit less predictable, and get back to doing what they were doing earlier in the year before Tua got hurt, which was successful. Um, we'll see if they do it this Sunday. This, or excuse me, this Saturday. This this game, we're, we're talking a big game, talking about them going in there and, and winning in Buffalo and sweeping the Bills. I'm not super confident that's going to happen, but I will say this. If we lose in Buffalo this week, the season's not over, all right? This will be no. actually our second three-game losing streak. And what happened after the last three-game losing streak, they went on to win five in a row. So if you lose on Saturday in Buffalo, the playoffs are still available to you. You still have an opportunity to make the playoffs. You just have to take care of business against teams like the Packers, the Patriots, and the Jets. And I know it's a cold weather game in New England as well, but you got two home games there and you really only need to win two of them. So take care of business at home and poof, you're in the playoffs that we can hopefully get some things figured out there. But as far as beating man coverage, I would really love to see some creative play designs and creative play calls from Mike McDaniel, our supposed offensive genius. I'm still a big, big believer in Mike McDaniel, but looking back at the last two weeks, and I didn't get to talk to you guys following that, uh, that San Francisco loss. The loss in San Francisco felt like that was on Tua, in my opinion. It felt like Tua was off. But the loss against the Chargers, in my opinion, again, and I'm not you know, a professional analyst here, uh, in my opinion, that loss was on Mike McDaniel. I do not feel like Mike McDaniel altered his game plan enough from that San Francisco game to that Los Angeles game. And I felt like he didn't make the necessary adjustments early on or early enough uh, we saw it kind of late in the game there. He started doing things a little bit differently. So I'm hoping he can continue to do that going into the game against Buffalo. Because you think if Sean McDermott 
saw the game plan these last two weeks, you think he's not going to try and do much of the same? You think Bill Belichick, another defensive genius who saw what San Francisco and Los Angeles did, you think he's not going to try to do much of the same against Tua uh, and this Mike McDaniel-led offense? We got our work cut out for us. And, and Robert Sala and the Jets, another great defensive mind. So there, there are some winnable games here, but Mike McDaniel needs to not be stubborn, needs to not be overconfident, and he needs to be a little bit more creative when crafting these game plans. And that's just my opinion. So that's kind of where this conversation both starts and ends, because if you go through and you, you know, the the Twitter soapbox, it's either one side, if you haven't been paying attention, Tua can't do this. And then the other side is just, if you haven't been paying attention, it's not Tua, it's like, it, it's just a real frustrating concept when you realize it's a little bit of everything. And you both make the great point of, you know, early in the season, how often were we were seeing Tyreek Hill run, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of yards a game just in motion. Right. So that to me is kind of why I go back to what I said about the defense before you're on the West coast for two weeks. You're just trying to figure out a game plan that works there. Ha I do wonder if there's something to, we cut 70% of the playbook out because we have short weeks. We're on prime time and we know what's coming up with our divisional rivals. I'm not saying that's the case, but to say it's as simple as Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle man coverage. You beat them. It is a little ridiculous to me because we saw how creative Mike McDaniel can be his first press conference. He was talking about how he never ran any type of RPO action. You get RG three and all of a sudden he's the rookie of the year. So there just seems to me like there's that little bit of empty space of, I think Mike McDaniel's a lot smarter than, than Twitter is making him out to be. And I feel if, there might've just not been enough time to make adjustments. I sound like I'm making a lot of excuses, but just something feels a little off to me when you see him, uh, Tyree kill running crazy and having this big game against Buffalo and, and, and doing all these different things. You see Jalen Waddle actually be a kick player on this deep offense. All of a sudden that stuff disappears and it's Mike McDaniel's awful. I, I just don't see that middle ground whatsoever. No. And I'm certainly not on the the train that Mike McDaniel is, is a bad coach or bad for the dolphins. Um, I, I, at the end of the day, it's a two-game stretch. It's two losses. That's all it is. The yeah. sky isn't falling. The Dolphins aren't a bad team. Two is not a bad quarterback. And Mike McDaniel is not a bad head football coach. Uh, you know, they, they have work to do. They need to do it. But I'm confident that they'll get it done. Yeah, and as fans, I mean, we always get too high with every win and too low with every low. And we just got to remember, you know, again, like you said, losing this game, it is an, it, this is going to be a tough one for sure for the Dolphins. But losing it is not the end of the season. Uh, one last thing on this subject. You mentioned how last week, San Francisco game, that can be put on to a ton of a low. I think we all agree on that. Same with this week or past week against the Chargers. The one thing I will say, though, is in some of the film you're watching, you do see a receiver. You know, you do see receivers open that it looks like at times to a ton of a low is just, you know, trying to get those big plays. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people say you know Mike McDaniel and Tua they sometimes act like they're playing Madden because they just want to go out there and get those big plays like he's looking at Tyree Kill at times when there's you know a, a, a running back you know in the flats or you know coming across on a drag or whatever it is so I think it goes back to what Tua said today how he has to get into a rhythm not always take those deep shots downfield but um, I'm with you Merrick and I think Jake also agreed you know San Francisco game that was absolutely on Tua he was just completely off in that game this one I thought you know he was accurate with where he was going with the ball um, but there were also times where he was forcing it so whatever it is I mean we keep hearing that they're going to bounce back you know Mike McDaniel keeps talking about adversity um, we need to see it right there's no bigger adversity to overcome than a two-game uh, West lost a two-game losing streak on the West Coast coming back and then traveling to Buffalo to play in the snow against the team that's basically run the division for how many years? Uh, on a short week, too. But no, 
on prime time, right? This is considered prime, prime time, right? Prime with how bad I hate prime time games so much. I'm so sick. You of always get those games. texts from your friends telling you how great the Dolphins really are worst. doing. Too. <laughs> they really do. Against the Chargers, though, like I'm, I'm totally with you, Josh. Like Tua, it sounds crazy to say, right? Ten of twenty-eight for 145 yards and one touchdown. I didn't think Tua played that poorly. You know, he he could have made some better decisions, checking the ball down, not forcing the ball to Tyreek. I get it. I get all of that. But somebody make a damn play, right? Like you saw that on literally the first series, which was a three and out, three incompletions. He was accurate with his passes, but Tyreek Hill doesn't come down with the ball. Jalen Waddle doesn't come down with the ball. These are contested catches. Don't get me wrong. It's not like they're cupcake catches and, and they were drops. But somebody make a play, like fight through that, get your hands on the ball, squeeze it and, and get a first down. And then, I mean, we've all seen the play be dissected like the Zabruder film on, on Twitter all week long. But that 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 post to Tyreek in the middle of the field touchdown that that was a touchdown that should have been a touchdown. Tyreek never saw it. He looks back. He looks at Tua. the balls directly over his head. He needed to look up for that ball. If he makes that catch. That's a touchdown. And now suddenly that's a, that's like a 75-yard touchdown, by the way. So it's not 145 yards. Now you're looking at 235, 240 yards and two touchdowns. And then, oh, by the way, Jalen Waddle lost a ball in the lights late in the game as well down the right side of the, the sideline there. So if he makes that catch, now you're sniffing 300 yards. And, and maybe the Dolphins go in for a touchdown there. And so there's a lot of things that could have gone differently. It's not all on Tua. I think most of it wasn't on Tua against the Chargers. I will put the L on him against the 49ers, but it was a collective team effort of, of just completely crappy play on Sunday night against the Chargers that led to the loss. But it's only two losses, okay? It's only two losses. This is a good Dolphins team, and I do believe they will bounce back. And Mike McDaniel said something pretty interesting in one of his press conferences this week where he talked about, like, if you're going to get punched in the mouth and you're going to lose – uh, a couple games in the in a row. Why not now, right? Let's do it now when they have a chance to respond and, and win a few games to make it to the playoffs and then do well when they get there. You don't want to be riding on your high horse into the playoffs and then suddenly you get figured out going into that, that wild card round and they punch you in the mouth then and then you turn out the performance you did against the Chargers in the wild card round and get your asses knocked out of the playoffs. He said, Multiple times this happened in San Francisco where that team would lose December games, get those problems figured out. And then sure as shit, you saw them in the NFC championship game, how many years in a row? And then even in a Super Bowl as well. So maybe the Dolphins will be following that 49ers blueprint this season. They'll get these problems figured out before Saturday. And that's kind of the key here. And, and as you we pull back to that first question, is Miami's offense broken or just predictable? Uh, you can hand out L's, blame whoever you want, but at the end of the day, it's a little relieving when we can sit here and say X, Y, and Z, uh, this isn't broken. This is it actually looks very successful. There's just a couple disconnects, and I think that's so important to remember when you're talking about this team that just the last couple of weeks there have been those disconnects, but we have not seen a single thing that would make us think, yeah, those they'll never happen again, right? It, it's completely a dud. Everything's figured out. Um, Mike McDaniel's a fraud. We have not seen anything like that, and it's just so important to keep that in mind as you go through the flow of a 17-game season. Gentlemen, we have about five minutes left here, and I do want to talk about the rushing attack real quick. Jeff Wilson, I think we mentioned, did not practice on Tuesday. Mike McDaniel said he is day-to-day, -day, not week-to-week. 
But with that in mind, a couple days does equal a week. So how is Miami going to use the rushing attack on a short week? Is it as simple as Salvan Ahmed, some guy who was in San Francisco, who has this experience in this offense? Or how does Miami really figure out to use the rushing game, whether it's just running the football or even just as a receiving back to change the pace and look make this Miami Dolphins offense look just a little bit different? Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins offense, they definitely need to get these running backs more involved. Like you said, Jake, whether that's running the ball or catching, you know, screen passes, uh, catching balls in the flat and, and trying to take it upfield for first downs, they need to do that. Whether or not Jeff Wilson plays, they these running backs need to get involved. He Mostert was a beast in San Francisco. He's had a couple good games for Miami this year, but we haven't seen him uh, at his full potential. Uh, and last I checked, you know, we we're talking about the weather and whatnot, and things could change before Saturday. But right now, uh, they they're projecting 15 to 30 mile per hour winds with heavy snow. That sounds like a game where you're going to want to run the football and you're going to want to run the football well, and you might not want to be throwing those passes downfield. So we need to get these running backs involved. Whether Jeff Wilson plays or not, we don't know yet. It is only Wednesday. We should get further clarification as the week progresses. But you still have Miles Gaskin, and he was a starting running back for this team for a couple years running. And he wasn't the best player in the world, but he is good enough to spell Raheem Mostert for a few snaps every game. And Savon Ahmed, he's fast as hell. So if you can get the ball to him on a screen or in the flat and he can turn it upfield as well, I think those are going to be things that you want to add to this offense if you're going to have success on Saturday. Yeah, my first thought was, what is Ricky Williams and JHI doing right now? That was my first thought. But um, I think you know what Ricky's doing, Josh. Yes, we do. The Heisman doesn't he sell? I think his cannabis brand is literally called High the Heisman or something. But uh, yeah, I think if there's any game where you have to establish a run, obviously you mentioned our fake ass weather. You might be the weatherman, actually, Merrick. Um, you know, you you got to do it in that in those elements. You know, it's going to be snowing. We all remember seeing Ricky and JHI trampling through snow. Um, one thing I would say is, you know, maybe. Maybe make some changes to the offensive line. I know Jake has written down here, will we see Eric Fisher this weekend? Uh, we know Teron Armstead had a knee issue that came up on the pra- uh, injury report. Sounds like he, you know, he's just going to continue to battle through that. But that offensive line, I mean, if you need to bring in Eric Fisher, start him at right tackle, I think Brandon Shell looked a little off. You know, Robert Jones, you know, that was another guy that may have been, you know, a reason for that lack of protection and ability to run the football whatever it is make changes go out there try to execute the run and um, hopefully good things will come from that because there's no way in hell you're going to win this game starting that first drive you know trying to throw the ball three times taking those deep shots downfield go back to you know fundamental football you know the things you learn run the football control the clock and hopefully good things will come I know where we play Eric Fisher let's play him at tight end since we're not throwing footballs to to Mike Gesicki let's get him off the field I don't even need to see him let's play all six offensive linemen on the line, every snap, and just run the damn ball down their throats. One of those I, linemen will definitely catch a ball at one point. I guarantee you. I guarantee you we'll see. <laughs> we'll see Tron Armstead with half a leg and half an arm looking like that Greg Jennings video when he's oh, running down be, the field. It's got to be Big leg. Bob Hunt, right? It's got to be Big Bob Hunt. You're a hundred percent. You are a thousand percent right. I still love that. I'll just be like scrolling through Twitter and I'll like check out some accounts. Like if there's a Dolphins avatar, there's about a I'll say like a thirty percent chance that the the background picture their banner is just robert hunt leaping into the end zone upside down (laughs) and it it's smile on my face every time but 
Gentlemen, that is all the time we have. Merrick, it is so great to have you back with us. And for everyone out there, if you want more Merrick like the rest of us do, he hosts a Twitter space on the Finsider Twitter account every Monday night. Uh, check out that. There's all It's retweeted throughout the day so you can be ready for it. And, and we'll do what we can to uh, make sure that we're when we're here Monday, if the podcast gets released early enough to give you one more final reminder on that. Merrick, I'm very, very upset that I saw no Mickey Mouse ears, that you failed your assignment, <laughs> and that we didn't we didn't even punish you. We, we just like having you around so much we didn't even care. So so thanks for being with us. His, his years, punishment, your punishment can be a prediction. How about that? All right. Uh, well, I hate to disappoint everyone, but I've been thinking about this all day. And I do think the Dolphins are going to lose this one. They're going to take one more uh, one more right hand on the chin uh, before they figure things out and win the last three. Um, I think they will lose this one. It'll be relatively low scoring, at least on our end. Uh, I'll pick Buffalo 24 to 13. What a sad moment to end the pod on. Forfeit Side of Radio, DJ and Josh Show featuring Merrick Brave. We hope everyone has a nice week, stays warm, or cools down a little bit if you're in South Florida. But most importantly, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Foes down. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.